You're listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. For more information, please visit our website at everynationgta.org. Good morning. So I'm super excited, like for like many reasons this morning. So I'm excited because um, this is the first time I've preached in front of a live audience for a really long time. And you don't know how hard it was to learn to just look at a camera. Um, in fact, the truth is that Bert, my husband, by the way, my name's Sheila, if we haven't met, kind of introduce yourself to me a little bit. Um, my husband used to put a little, one of our cast toys on top of the camera for me, so I would remember not to just walk all over an empty room, but actually to look at the camera, so that was like two and a half years ago. So it's really fun. I'm really excited about um, being able to be here in person with all of you. And I'm also really excited because I get to talk about one of my favorite subjects, and that is anxiety. And I like to talk about anxiety because I'm really, really good at it. Um, I was raised by a mom who, she was a warrior, and she taught her children so well how to worry, and I probably have taught my kids a little bit about Worrying, in fact, another month. We won't go there. So, um, but I'm excited to talk today about anxiety, not just because I'm good at it, but because in my life and in my growth and the fruit of the Spirit in my life, I've actually come to a greater place of peace within myself, peace with God. And so today, our topic is peace over anxiety as we continue our counterculture series talking about the fruit of the Spirit. So we're going to start this morning, and we're going to look at a passage Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, and uh, this is from Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Whoa, I'm powerful. (laughs) So you guys have to understand, we're like in the last... Since we've been back again, it's we're actually using a different soundboard than we ever used before. So I'm super proud of Matt and Luke and all the learning that they've done. Um, so, okay, ready to go there, Matt? Good. Okay, let's try again. From Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. I rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters and friends, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, Paul says, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. And from Galatians, the passage we've been using um, in our series about the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Um, I heard this quote a couple of weeks ago, and I think it's so just so applied to me as I've been thinking about 
the fruit of God's spirit in us. And it is actually called by a woman named Elizabeth Kubler Lawson. If you've ever heard of her work, she did many years of research and study and writing on the topic of grief. And she said this, people are like stained glass windows. They sparkle and shine when the sun is out, but when the darkness sets in, their true beauty is revealed only if there is a light from within. And isn't that the fruit of God's Spirit within us? That not just on the sunny days, but even when there's things like anxiety plaguing us, that the beauty of what's in us, the fruit of God's Spirit will shine through. So, um, I have a few big thoughts about this whole series on the fruit of the Spirit. So, what it isn't, we're talking, we, we, we call the series counterculture. And um, counterculture isn't just like people in the church are this way and we want these things. We want to be loving and kind and patient. And then those evil people are there. They don't want any of those things. No, 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 no. Counterculture is how the path we're going to take in our life to get to that place of goodness and kindness, faithfulness, self-control. So what this series is not, it's not us good people and those bad people. It's not a go-do-better series. So here are all the things that you're supposed to be and do if you're a Christian. So, okay, that's the end. I'll you go and do those things. In fact, many years ago, I heard a message on the fruit of the Spirit, and there was a phrase, a refrain through it that has stuck with me for really probably almost 20 years, and that was contrasting being morally restrained or supernaturally changed. And sometimes we think, goodness, we do this with our children. We tell them, be kind, be good, and we think that we, and we do, we constrain them. We're, they're morally constrained from the outside. But what God, what Jesus wants to do in us, he wants to do that supernatural change in us where we become more and more like Jesus and reflect him to the world and in our lives. And last week, Lucas preached on um, joy. <laughs> Had to go through it in my mind on joy these patients. Okay, um, and he used a phrase I really liked, so I'm going to throw it in here again. Muster up the strength. You know when you muster up the strength to do something, we just going to work really, really hard, but we know even the idea of the word fruit, fruit doesn't work hard. A tree doesn't work really hard to produce fruit, so we're not going to muster up the strength. But what this series is about, it's about attributes. Evidence of growing in a Christian, of the growth in our lives, if the Holy Spirit's at work in us. So it's about attributes. It's about fruit. Again, that botanical language. Botanical language, growth, that's really hopeful language to me. That means there's a good chance that as the years go by, I may be more patient than I used to be. I may be more kind than I used to be. In fact, if the evidence of the Spirit working in my life really is there, those things are going to be true. So this series is about growth. This series is about a mirror. And uh, when I look at the different fruit that we're going to look at, over the next couple of weeks and that we have looked at, I have to say to myself, um, I haven't arrived at perfect love yet. And so that means probably if I'm honest, there's still some fear in me. And I don't have that joy of the Lord that Lucas was preaching us about last week. 
And so I have to admit that sometimes I go to a place of despair. And today, as we look at peace, I, it's a mirror to me that the Word of God, the verses of God, it's a mirror to me where I can say, this is the peace that I know God has for me. And yet, I can also look in my own heart and see where places of anxiety and doubt and fear come in. So this series is a mirror. And finally, this series is about the Spirit because it's God's work in our lives. So when you put the full weight of your trust in Christ alone for your salvation, what grows within you, what the Spirit does, the work within you is God's Spirit within us. So on to anxiety. A little tiny bit of clarification here. There is a clinical diagnosis an anxiety disorder. That's severe, persistent worry, excessive to the situation, extreme avoidance of anxiety-provoking situations. That's, um, these symptoms cause no, they cause distress, but they actually impair your functioning. And uh, they, they last, a clinical diagnosis of anxiety lasts for severe, this is totally for a significant amount of time. Um, if you have those symptoms, if you've been diagnosed with clinical, with an anxiety disorder, then you're going to need the help of a doctor and probably a therapist and even a season of time on medication. We're not talking about that anxiety today. The other anxiety is, uh, the second one in my mind is uh, event-based, event-specific anxiety. So you've got to do a presentation at work next week. And you know, you're not sleeping the night before, and you're nervous, or you've got a paper due, or you've got an exam next week, or you have to preach a sermon on Sunday, or whatever. It's, it's related to a anxiety related to a specific situation. And the interesting thing about that one is it has a beginning. Oh, I have to preach on Sunday. I have a paper due. It has a middle, that time when you're trying to produce something. And then when you hand that paper in, Hopefully, you're not anxious anymore, except you might be worried you didn't get into grade. But um, it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And actually, in those situations, anxiety can actually help us. It can help you work a little harder, be a little more serious about the task at hand, um, you know, improve my attention and my focus on how I spend my time. So, not um, a diagnosis of an anxiety disorder, not necessarily event specific. Anxiety. Though I hope today's message I'll be able to go back to. But I want to talk about the anxiety that, um, you know, when, when you have a fever and you're not like 100, I don't, I only know Fahrenheit with temperatures because my kids were little, we still use Fahrenheit. So, you know, when your kid has 103 or 104 and you go, I gotta call the doctor. But you know, if they're sitting at 100.5, or 100.3, what we call it? We call it a low-grade fever. Uh, it's indication something's not quite right, but it's not plaguing. It's not um, inhibiting that child maybe that much. Well, low-grade anxiety, that's what I call mine. When there's just something kind of under the surface, oh, some extra worries and, mm, you know, uncertainty. Um, there's been a lot of things to worry about in the last couple of years. I, I'm, as I said, I'm good at this anxiety thing. So, um, but I think I'm not alone in this. I think from obviously from the early late winter of 2020 to now, there's still there's a lot of uncertainty and things that worry me might not worry you, and vice versa. But I think we could all say there's been a place where, oh, you know, there's some uncertainty here. Um, 
a friend of ours, a two weeks ago, one of the pastors in every nation in Tampa, Florida, he um, preached a message on anxiety. So because I knew had this one up, I watched him. Um, and uh, I liked what he said. Clayton Bell, my friend, said, anxiety, a continual low to mid-level feeling. Something is going or about to go wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been there. And uh, it just speaks of uncertainty, doesn't it? So, what anxiety might look like in no particular order. Uh, here's some things it might look like in your life. It definitely does not mine. Um, trouble concentrating or thinking anything other than about the present worry. So, you know, when you got something on your mind and you can't just set that aside. Hey, no, I can't think about that right now. i got to think about what's our hair. And yeah, there's this nagging kind of thing there. How about easily fatigued? Um, unusually irritable. Yeah, not me. Yeah, me. Um, Headaches, muscle aches, stomach aches, unexplained pain. Sometimes there's something going on. I get headaches, so I throw that one there because usually if I'm getting a headache, I can kind of figure out what way and where that comes from. Um, sleep problems, either difficulty sleeping or difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep. And you know when you wake up in the night, you don't think happy thoughts, right? You don't wake up in the night and say, oh, it's Two months till Christmas? <laughs> no. You say the negative stuff, the oh no, you know, the world might come to an end, that kind of thing. More and more catastrophic in the middle of the night when it's dark outside. Um, increased heart rate. You know, sometimes you can kind of feel maybe you're getting a little sweaty or you're just getting a little red and you can kind of feel your, um, your heart rate going up. Uh, weight gain or weight loss. I know. People who can't eat when they're anxious, and that's not me. I'm really good at eating when I'm anxious. Um, I call it my unhealthy relationship to food. Um, addictive behaviors, searching for comfort and relief. And I'm not just talking about when, when we hear addictive, we think you know, drugs and alcohol, whatever that may be. But how about Netflix or shopping? How about Amazon? Um, things that you go to that just feel really good for a couple of minutes. Um, so that, what anxiety might look like. Google, because I did, Google Millennials Gen Z Anxiety. Put that in your search bar, and what do you get? Millennials and Gen Z are more anxious than previous generations. Here's why. University of Alberta. January 2020, before the pandemic, before Black Lives Matter, before political situations in so many different countries. Hey, February 2022. Survey finds majority of Gen Z millennials dealing with anxiety and depression. And then this week, uh, forget the millennial stuff, but this was a headline in the news this week for all you parents out there. Just if you don't have anything to worry about, I'm going to give you some things today. Okay, here's one: pediatric group releases guidelines for detecting anxiety in kids and youth. This was just this week, October 20th, 2022. Okay, if you didn't walk in here anxious, I'm going to work really hard at getting you there, or at least at getting you to admit that, yeah, I worry about things. So, I just picked five headlines, because I really like the news. Uh, you think a person who has any level of anxiety should stay away from the news? Now I love the news. So, here's a good one this week. Uh, Florida, flesh-eating illness cases spike after Hurricane Ian. Okay, that seems far away. I'm not going to Florida this year. Uh, so, um, how about this one's closer to home? Canada's inflation rate is coming down, but grocery bills keep getting more expensive. Anybody who's walked into a grocery store. Um, 
Number three, Russia has expanded its nuclear sphere of what to make of forest threats. Number four, Canada may be sleepwalking into a brutal winter with new Omicron strains. And just because I try to give you some things to keep you awake at night, let me give you number five. Five hours of sleep is the tipping point for bad health. <laughs> All right. So be anxious about being anxious. I'm going to help you because now I'm going to go to the Bible and I'm going to tell you what the Bible says about being anxious. Uh, because it's so good. And it's what God has for us and what he wants for us. So for Solomon, the wisest man ever to live, in one of the Psalms accredited to him, it is vain, it is in vain, that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he, God, gives to his beloved sleep. Anxious toil. Anxious toil, work-related stress. And I'm not sure that there's anybody who's going to work in 2022 that does not have work-related stress. And vanity was one of Solomon's favorite words uh, to vain, producing no result and useless. And he says, it's pretty useless when you're staying up, getting up early and staying up late and eating the bread of Anxious toil. Um, an unidentified psalmist, unidentified psalmist said this, when my anxious thoughts multiply within me, ignore the second half for a second, when my anxious thoughts multiply within me, that's what anxiety does within us. You know, two, it's not two plus two, but it's actually two times two times two times two times two. Instead of having two things to worry about, you have 32. Uh, and uh, yes, the scripture says, God's consolations delight my soul. <laughs> David said, search me, O God, know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. And to the New Testament, Paul said, we read this morning, do not be anxious about anything. And Jesus said, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Life kind of covers everything, doesn't it? When Jesus said, don't be anxious about your life, I'm not sure what part of your life is in your life. Don't be anxious. He, he, he's, he's encouraging us and reaching out to us. Don't be anxious. And he says this, therefore, do not anxious. Be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Or other translations say something like each trouble, each day has enough trouble of its own. So don't worry about tomorrow. So, there we go. Go, stop now. Don't be anxious anymore. Bye, have a good day. Let's sing one more song. Um, don't be, just stop it. We know. We know how difficult that is. And yet we can hear what the psalmist says, what Solomon said. David said, look at my, show me my anxious thoughts because it's actually harmful to me. We know that medically. That's for another day. But it's actually harmful to me. Solomon said, it's vain. It's kind of unproductive and useless. It doesn't get us very far. Um, and right now our list, I, I, I can just, oh, I have a couple more things to your list. Anybody worry about their kids if you're a parent? Or your parents, if you're a kid, or maybe you're that sandwich generation, and you got kids you're worrying about and parents you're worrying about. 
How about your health? How about your job security in 2022? Uh, your finances, your mortgage, your investments, your retirement. Uh, politics and elections. My goodness. It's from the, our countries of origin in this room, probably, as so many countries have had elections and it hasn't always gone well in the last couple of years. Um, war, supply chain issues. So how do we grow in peace? How do we see that fruit of the spirit, that peace in anxious times? Worry in the 21st century isn't just a 21st century problem, but there are things specific to the time that we're living in. And, you know, but flip back in the pages of time, and Paul actually opened almost every one of his letters that we have recorded in the Bible. Paul writing to the early church, and almost every letter he wrote, he wrote, his salutation, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, or some version of that. That was the first thing he proclaimed after over every church that he wrote to. Grace, God's goodness, and his provision for us, and peace. So, we're going to turn back. We started reading Philippians 4. And now let's look at that. Let's look at that to search for peace. Paul didn't just say, do not be anxious about anything. But he actually said, the Lord is at hand. Semicolon, do not be anxious about anything. I don't know if you put a semicolon in there, but the translators do. You know, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. It's a place of assurance for us that how do we begin to uh, face the anxiety that's in our heart, we remember the Lord, God, the creator of the universe, the one who loves us beyond measure, the one who holds the very world in the palm of his hands. I was thinking about this 1970 song yesterday as I was typing, I will not sing it, um, Jacob could, but there's a song, he's got the whole world in his hands, he's got the whole world in his hands, uh, the little baby babies and all of this, but he does. God, our Father, has the world in his hand. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. I, Timothy, Paul wrote to Timothy, and he said, I'm convinced that God is able to keep forever the things that I've entrusted to him, to guard those things. That's the God that we're looking to for our peace. The next thing Paul said was, let your request be made known to God. Dot, dot, dot. And the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. It's the expectation that we can have that Paul never said all your problems were going to go away. Man, that's what we want. In fact, that's what we want when we pray. We want to say, oh, God, take this problem away, and then I'll have peace. No. No, that's actually the assurance that God has for us. God says to us, in the midst of, I will guard your heart with peace. Uh, what does, I'm thinking, what does prayer look like from Philippians? Let your request be made known to God. Supplication, thanksgiving. Is it just, oh, you know, God, take away all my anxiety? Or is it, I think of Psalm 91. I don't know if you know Psalm 91, but it's about God keeping us under the shadow of his wings. About that place of um, him being a refuge, our protection. He's looking after us. So even in the midst of those things that wake you up in the middle of the night, what does God, God's peace have for us? 
but a peace that passes understanding, a peace that isn't really dependent on oh, the things that I'm really worried about right this minute. But it's the Lord is a hand. And how about this? Paul says practice these things. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. He said, uh, you know, things you've seen and heard and may practice them. And the God of peace will be with you. You know what that just means to me? It means it doesn't come easily. You know, if you had to, if hockey players never practiced, so, you know, there's a Filipino playing on the Toronto Maple Leafs right now for all our Filipino friends, and he's a really good hockey player. I just that in. Um, <laughs> you have to practice. A basketball player, if he doesn't practice those three pointers, he'll never, he'll never make one in the game. But the same with this, Paul said, the things you've seen and learned from me, the things you've heard from me, you got to practice them. you got to practice that reminding yourself, wait a minute, in the midst of all my anxiety, the Lord is at hand. So we have an assurance. We can have an expectation that actually God, he really does want to be the God of peace to you and I. But it's going to take some practice. Um, not the absence of problems, but it's the presence of God in our lives. So, I'm going to show you. Here's me. I just thought I would take one of the things that causes me anxiety and just work it out with you. So, um, I had a couple of health challenges in the last year and a bit. Nothing life-threatening. Well, that's what the doctor said. In fact, the doctor said everything's fine now, but me and Google know better, right? <laughs> so, you see, you're not just laughing, you're laughing because you've been there. I got a little ache in my baby toe, and suddenly somebody's going to have to cut it off. Um, you know, so what's it look like in my life? Well, I said to you, sometimes I get headaches, and I can, I know, mm, I have some headaches going on. Like, what, what's underlying this? Like, am I. Is there some anxiety there that I should probably be looking at and taking to the Lord with that prayer and supplication? And maybe I'm irritable with the people I love, and maybe I'm waking up in the middle of the night, and maybe um, I ever fit it. And I used to think my heart rate went up when I got anxious, and now I have the evidence. I can look and go, hmm, something's going on here. What am I looking for in my physical body? What's going on in my mind? So, health. Um, I've had. Uh, nothing or everything really is resolved. I have kidney stones in there. You don't want to hear all that. But, um, but what do I do with that? Well, denial doesn't help if I'm worried about something. Oh, I don't want to think that way anymore. My mother used to say, if you ignore about things, they go away. She was wrong. They don't go away if you ignore them. So what does it look like? Well, I'm going to be honest about what I'm thinking and feeling and worried about. I'm going to be honest to myself. And then, um, and then I'm going to kind of challenge that thing. I'm going to go, wait a minute here. Like, is this my fear and anxiety bubbling up? Is this the truth of God? Is this, um, is this something I can actually go something and do something about? Like, hey, walk into the doctor's office and have that foot x-rayed. And she can say there's nothing wrong. Or am I just going to be kept awake with it at night? Are there things that I can do? And, uh, and then I got to face it head on in light of what God says. Um, I shouldn't feel this way never helps. Have you ever had anybody tell you that? Oh, I'm really worried about this. You shouldn't feel that way. Oh, no, I do feel that way. That doesn't help me. Let's take the journey of facing the things that cause us anxiety, recognizing that what happens in, in our physical body and our mind and our sleeplessness and maybe I'm eating more than what I should, 
And then let's talk it out. Let's find a friend and let's pray over it and let's pray together. You know, one of the things I did this year with my health, um, I had COVID in July, early July, and I had digestive issues. Weird, right? After COVID, I don't know. I thought it was a respiratory problem. But finally, uh, it took me about six weeks, but I said to my small group, here's my problem. Would you pray for me? And that was a Wednesday night small group. And Thursday morning on, I never had any trouble with my stomach after that. So what do we do with our anxiety? Do we bring our friends into it? People that know us and care about you. Sometimes you don't want to tell somebody out loud something you're worried about. Well, sometimes when you say it out loud, you realize it's kind of ridiculous and you're not actually worried about it after all. But sometimes you're kind of embarrassed to say, I'm really worried about this situation, this child, and this going on in my life. And yet when we draw others into it, it's a place of encouragement and support and strengthening and, and maybe, you know, a word of encouragement, maybe something that I like. Do you worry about this scripture or that one? Speaking of scriptures, so my health thing, and, uh, you know, I'm over 60 now. So people try to dismiss us now as being a little, I get seniors discounts. However, um, some places, you know, sometimes that is easy to slip into that. Yeah, I think when I'm 30, I didn't wonder how many years of life I had left. This is morbid, right? Um, I didn't think, do you know how many more years I'm going to be on the planet? Um, so I'm having a 60. So but the other day I was reading Isaiah. And uh, not always my favorite, but nonetheless, here is what Isaiah said to um, the people of Israel and people of Jacob. And it's actually now on a post-it note on my bathroom here. Um, Listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel, who have been born by me from your birth. Yep, he's carried you from your birth. Uh, Carried from the womb. Even into old age, I am he. To the gray hairs, I know I don't have any gray hairs. To the gray hairs, I will carry you. I need you. I will bear you. I will carry and I will save. So even the comfort and the um, assurance of who God is and who he wants to be for us brings me into greater peace. Does it make all my anxiety go away? It makes it. Brings it into its perspective. It's not paralyzing. So on the road to peace, finally, you know, um, in when we do um, church in the studio, we have to have a clock on the wall that's a countdown clock, and so I know how long I've been speaking. But here there is no clock. I think there used to be. So um, I'm going to wind up here. Um, on the road to peace. So the first thing on the road to peace is I heard this once in a sermon. You think you know, but you don't know. How many times in life will you think you know something? You think you know how something's going to turn out, but you need to admit you don't know. Um, I get anxious when I don't know what the future holds, and I get anxious when I think I know what the future holds. I was thinking about social media, you know, all the crazy stuff on social media about, crazy to me, sorry, um, about conspiracies and what's going to happen with this political situation. And, you know, people just speak so definitively like they know what the future holds. And I think to come to a place of peace, we gotta accept the things that we think we know, but we don't know. In First Peter, it says, "Humble yourself. Don't be so proud that you know it all. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He will exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him. Why? Because He cares for you." Tim Keller, since we always throw a little Tim Keller into a message, 
worry, remember you think you know what you don't know, worry is always a deep sense in the human heart that we know better than God. How life ought to go and that we should be ruling the world instead of God. Um, here's an old one from Charles Spurgeon that was helpful to me. The very essence of anxious care is the imagining that we are wiser than God and thrusting of ourselves into his place. To do for him that which we dream he cannot or will not. We attempt to think of that which we fancy, or we like, you know, fancy all of that word, he will forget. The things that we want and desire, he'll forget. We labor to take upon ourselves that burden which he either is not able in our minds or not willing to carry out for us. So, you think you know, but you don't know. Um, if you want peace, spend time with peace. You know, Jesus from Isaiah, before he was born, Isaiah described him as the prince of peace, the one who rules. What does the prince do? He, he, he's he's the, the king of the peace. He's got it. He's got it there for us. That's one of his many names. If you want to have peace, I don't know a way around this. You gotta spend time with the Prince of Peace. If you want to know God, you gotta spend time with God. I only know one place to go for that, and that's the Bible. And uh, there's uh, when we see a Bible, we see who God is, and we see who we are, and we see His providence and His sovereignty and His care for us. Uh, Ephesians two fourteen, He Himself, Jesus is our peace. Who has made uh, us both one and broken down every wall? Um, Isaiah 26, it's King James. I love it in the King James. It's such an old version because it has trusted in it. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusted in thee. So, just, Paul says it takes practice. We can't always keep our minds there. Sometimes we gotta do that practice and bring it back to think about who God is and who we are and his hand in the world and that he's got the world in his hand. Um, and then John 14, Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, right? The world wants to give peace that makes all the problems go away. How is isn't Jesus' kind of peace. It's that internal thing. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And my final thing to say today is don't go alone. You know, when you're anxious, when things are on the inside of you, whether whether it's from that uh, an anxiety disorder, maybe you've been diagnosed with and you need some medication, maybe it's an event-specific kind of anxiety where you've got something that's due next week, or maybe it's just that things have been plaguing so many of us in the last few years. Don't go alone. I was reading the book of Judges this week. And uh, judges, you know, judges are the different um, men that, and one woman that rose up and judged Israel when they didn't have a king. And one of them was Gideon. And um, Gideon was kind of nervous. And God said this to Gideon, to Gideon. But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with pure your servants. You know what? I thought, yeah, when I'm afraid to do something, when there's anxiety in my heart, don't do it alone. Bring other people into my story, my life, my place with honesty and, and with humility. And let's walk this life together like God created it to be. And I think we can grow in peace. 
You've been listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. Thanks for joining us. For more information, visit our website at everynationgta.org.